anyone who asks someone to insult their amateur podcast is clearly a member of an amateur podcast. Welcome to Hammer Tower. My name is Chris Davis, and joining me as always is the guy who tweets more Seinfeld GIFs than most Seinfeld GIF accounts. It's the soccer goose himself. It's Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? I am doing excellent. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. We uh, have an awesome interview for our listeners today. We spoke with Sonny D'Alessandro of the NPSL. Mm-hmm. It was pretty great talk. Yeah, definitely want to thank the... Uh, NPSL uh, for organizing the interview. It was uh, it was really good, it, it, but happy to share it with you. Yeah, it was uh, very informative. Uh, I do have to put a warning. There is a wee bit of pro rail talk in this. I know how that triggers some <laughs> <Warning>. people. <laughs> I, I don't think they make a specific uh, explicit warning yeah, for right. that on iTunes. So uh, this is the only warning you get. And this interview is brought to you by the 2018 NPSL Supporter of the Year, Lugnut. If you'd like to be cool like Lugnut and be a uh, transition sponsor of the podcast, you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash amateurhoursoccer. Ben and I are joined by the South Region Representative for the NPSL Board of Directors, Sonny D'Alessandro. Mr. D'Alessandro, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh my God, Mr. D'Alessandro. It's like I'm a principal <laughs> or something like that. Uh, I actually yell at my players when they call me sir. You know, you get such good young players come through and they always call me sir and it just makes me cringe. Like, I'm, such, I'm basically a glorified 14 year old who sits on a board and owns a, owns a, a soccer club. So, uh, yeah, and thank you for having me on, guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, I try to be respectful the first time I speak with people, but uh, we'll, we'll stick with Sonny from here on out uh, fair, now that we're a little more enough. familiar with each other. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But, um, so I, I'd love to get into the specific role that you have with the NPSL and things like that. But before we go there, we get a lot of questions from our listeners uh, asking us to differentiate between all the different leagues we have in America, you know, whether it's the NPSL, the MLS, um, NISA, that's going to happen eventually, possibly, right. the USL. So... When you come across someone who doesn't necessarily know the differentiations between those leagues, how do you explain to them what the NPSL is, what sets you guys apart from the other leagues, like your mission, all that good stuff? Well, I think that we're viewed as like this independent group of owners and members. Um, And I think that's a little misleading, actually. I think that we kind of, in a way, strive to be conformists, right? I think that when you look at big hot button topics like promotion relegation like we pretty much just want to create a system that allows um the ball to decide where where teams go long term now i mean that's not a tomorrow type of project but um yeah we we kind of believe in not necessarily adhering to u.s soccer's pro league standards a lot of us um whereas you know, you get the MLS and the USL and your owner has to carry with them a a certain net worth in order to have a club or to be considered viable. Um, And and so I think in in terms of the landscape, we kind of see things a little bit differently. And I don't want to say we're like the problem child, but I think that there's a great deal of value into challenging systems 
with the idea that that challenge makes them stronger. So, um, yeah, I would say that we more openly and publicly push um, the system and the powers that be that are in place um, in U.S. soccer. Very cool. So know, that might that might be the worst might be the worst explanation ever. But no, I, I think that kind of and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that kind of uh, builds upon the the punk rock theme that NPSL is kind of taken upon to be the the difference makers and that type of thing. Just to look at it from a different angle. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're like complete like nihilists and contrarians <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that uh, if you're going to draw that comparison, I think punk is kind of like about challenging the status quo, right? Um, now, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just for the sake of challenging it or if it's for the sake of making it stronger. But speaking for us, I, I think that a lot of our ideas are to challenge things with the idea of creating a better system. Yeah, I, I think that definitely makes sense. And maybe that, maybe for, that, maybe that is punk rock as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I guess I would interpret that as punk rock, but more um, intentional. I guess you can say, right. because I guess sometimes punk rock may have a connotation of oh, we're just going to throw a wrench in the system, but not actually fix the system. I guess. Yeah, just anarchist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's more more directional, I guess you could say. But but yeah, so as we said initially, you are a part of the, the board of members for the MPSL. Um, what exactly does being a represent, representative entail? Um, and, and what parts of the MPSL are you involved with, I guess? I didn't catch the last part of that. Do you mind repeating just the, the last part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Like what part of the MPSL are you involved with, with that position and just overall with your, uh, your role with the MPSL? Well, I mean, we're an organization with almost 100 members. So, I mean, at some point, you know, there's got to be some individuals that step up and kind of are that serve as that conduit from membership to the executive board in terms of strategic uh, direction that the league is going in. Um, You know, there's subcommittees within the board of directors and within the league, you know, they pertain to, you know, amendments to bylaws, etc. Expansion, um, you know, with the new uh, the new Founders Cup around the corner, you know what that relationship looks like between those two leagues. Like we have a task force there too. So, um, yeah, there's we, we I think we all because of the size of our league have to be able to be um, flexible and wear a bunch of different hats and do our best job with with all of them. You know, I might not be. Um, really strong suited to be the conduit between us and the the Founders Cup people. But, you know, maybe I have a a good eye for bylaws or whatever. So I think we have a good mix, our board right now, and we kind of handle handle what comes our way. And we we like to be kind of an extension of the, the, the membership, the voice of the membership. Okay, gotcha. So you're, you're kind of in a role where different owners can bounce ideas off you and that type of thing. Does that sound right? Yeah. And, you know, when we have our, our board calls, like I like to to give a recount to, um, you know, the couple of conferences that that are on my side in the South region, um, which is like the Lone Star and the Heartland. You know, I touch base very frequently with with almost all of those owners. So, um, you know, when you have that many members in an organization, 
meetings i mean you couldn't have a hundred members on a phone call that would just be sludge like there's just too, <laughs> too many too many chiefs um yep so you know you've got to kind of break it down and, and be able to streamline that and have a more linear path for getting things done so yeah we we are in in essence sort of a conduit from the executive board to the members and from the members to the executive board as far as how things how things get done and what things are getting done and getting everyone's take on that because we are a member run and a member driven organization. So everyone's voice counts. So if someone's adamant and passionate about something in, in their neck of the woods and people are in agreement, then, you know, they come to me and I say, listen, I, what's going on in my region is people feeling very strongly about this. So I, I kind of can represent their position and uh, their voice means something and we can, we can have change um, come into place through that, that platform. Very cool. Um, and you did touch base a little bit on this, um, but what can you tell us about the Founders Cup, how that uh, how that's going to run? And it, will it be a yearly tournament, I guess you could say? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, it, it's one of those things where uh, as far as the day to day stuff is concerned, like I, I trust all the parties are involved. We've got some really great teams that are going to be involved in this launch and um I don't know if they're going to run it back like an annual event. My understanding is that, you know, these teams are obviously looking to do something to extend their season because they're viable. Um, you know, your Detroit cities, your Chattanoogas, you know, the MPSL is just too short for them. So I, I think as, as a mechanism, we owe it to our members to find um, uh, again, a platform or a place for them to go to, to make their business models even more successful. I mean, over the years, um, you know, teams have been poached and uh, leagues have come into markets where we've had a lot of success. And I, I get it for those owners too. Like if you're about to get trounced on by a bunch of money, then, you know, part with equity in your club and, um, and sell out. I mean, sometimes there's that, that question of sell out or die. Um, and that take mm. that people take that a bunch of different ways. And I know how I would, <laughs> I would take that. I mean, I kind of have a, a, a unique, relationship and in our backyard here so i mean i think people know where i sit on that but at the same time if if you have a business and it's going to get crushed and someone says hey why don't you jump on this and at the end of the day it's for our community rather than for league pride like i I understand that i understand that piece of it too i just i i have a i i really agree with what the npsl stands for and um like the direction that our club can head through that. So as far as the founders cup is concerned, I think it's a necessary thing that it's cre- that is creating a, you know, a league or a place for our successful clubs to go so that they can, uh, so that they can continue to, to be viable and what it represents for our, our teams who are having some success and are, who are growing their businesses, you know, a three month season is really, really short. So um, the creation of, of that and, and the, the league to follow is something that's really exciting for, for the MPSL members. Yeah, that, that sounds good. We, um, we've paid attention a lot, particularly with the whole situation up in Chattanooga. And um, one thing, I've, I mean, I've always been impressed by them. It seems like uh, I know when I very first spoke with um, uh, the guys up in Asheville, uh, they spoke about Chattanooga, how they inspired them, and even guys who aren't in the MPSL. Uh, Lions Bridge of uh, USL League Two comes to mind. They were also inspired by sure. Chattanooga and even Asheville as well, and um, all the different stuff they do. We were actually looking at Chattanooga's schedule earlier, and uh, it, it wasn't s- 
I think it was like a tweet, so it wasn't terribly specific what games or what, but they, I think they had like 13 home games coming mm-hmm. up, and obviously all of those aren't in PSL. It's, you know, friendlies and everything, so that ways yeah. of them to extend our season. Um, and we noticed as well that uh, they've, in particular, have mentioned uh, their intention of going pro when they did the whole, um, where the fans buy the shares, I can't remember if it's yeah. called something in particular, but... Um, We've heard a lot of unofficially on Twitter and what have you about a potential professional league for the NPSL. Uh-huh. Is there anything you can tell us about that? I mean, not really. Not, I mean, there aren't any specifics. Uh, I think that it's pretty clear to everyone that the Founders Cup is, is you know, the idea of that of extending the league and, and creating that mm-hmm. creating that platform. You know, I don't, I don't, I can't say that there's a league name or, or anything like that. That will come out all right. in, all in due time. But I mean. I think anyone can take a look at it and just say, yeah, they're they're trying to to create a place for their for their bigger and better teams to go. I mean, you know, the New York Cosmos mm-hmm. can't can't continue to just be an NPSL team. Um, right. Same with Miami. So, um, yeah, I, I wish I could give you guys the the juicy details, uh, the, <laughs> the exclusive here on on the podcast, and you know, maybe if you were live recording and in a few months and we were having some beers in a pub or something, you might be able to squeeze it out of me. But um, <laughs> right now I, 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 I don't really have the, I don't really have the, the juicy answers for you. Sorry. No, not, not, not a big deal. Uh, we, we tried, we gave it our go. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we had to ask. <laughs> yeah. Now, sure. one thing I'm kind of curious as, as a supporter of uh, definitely a supporter of Greenville FC and, in some ways, Asheville SC as well. I'm much Asheville more City. pro Asheville uh, than Ben here. It's almost yeah. like we're like it's kind of split on it in a way, but we both love the other team as yeah. well. Okay. But one thing I'm kind of curious, as someone who follows those two, those two teams that don't, at this point, I guess we're kind of speculating, but aren't directly going to be going Founders Cup this year or uh, potentially not going pro the further years, what does it look like for the MPSL to facilitate – um, them having stability, um, and as well as just keeping them sustainable as a club for the future, um, not given those, I guess, um, tools, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, as far as the league, you know, I mean, again, and this kind of leads back to the Founders Cup and what comes from that, but I think that we have a responsibility to our clubs, especially ones that are in dogfights like that, to give them a place, a place to go. Um, because Greenville's not a big place. I mean, it's, I don't, how, how big is Greenville? 150,000? I think, see, it, I would think that's probably fair. Greenville is an interesting place because it's a small, centrally located area, but it does kind of branch off like a lot of cities nowadays where there's right. some different right. uh, cities around it. Yeah, there's a bunch a of like sub cities around it. Like you can literally drive down one street, be like, and Greer, then Taylor's, then somehow Taylor's again, Greer, and then you're in Greenville all of a sudden, then Greer again. It's just it's a, kind of crazy how it's interwoven there. Right. So, I mean, the USL League One, forgive me if my nomenclature is, is off, but I, I believe that's the they have, there's a Greenville team in that mm-hmm. league, correct? Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, they it's advantageous they have an advantage in the sense that they have a longer season, a longer schedule. Um, mm. Now, um, Greenville FC from our, from our league was first the dance. Um, you know, they're mm. definitely soccer guys. And you're going to forgive me because I don't know a bunch about the USL club. I know that they launched and I know that um, 
I told Marco if he needs me to, if he needs me in any way to help or whatever that with the battle that he's in, that I've kind of been in one myself, so I can share whatever wisdom or fails that I've gone through in order to help him with his battle. But um, as a league, you know, we can't really directly do too much with them as a club, but again, creating them a place for if they are able to get momentum and have success or people, if people in that market have, uh, you know, prefer them, but it's a shorter season and that's, uh, you know, and that's um, stunting their growth a little bit. Then now, what we're trying to do is, is create a new option for them. So I, I think in terms of a le- the league coming in and helping them, that, that would be what we can do is create, create places for them to go to, to, um, to extend their business. Hmm. Okay. Um, and this, I'm not sure this question necessarily got asked or we quite had to answer to this, but I have a question, you know, playing off of that a bit with, like, let's just use Greenville as a scenario. If Greenville wanted to join a future Founders Cup, like say it's going to happen every year, or like they would have done it this year, what would be the criteria, or what would they need to do to get into that? Um. Well, I mean, I think that you know they would have to look at what the other teams are doing in terms of budget and mm-hmm. um, and minimum standards, and make sure that they wouldn't be overextending themselves to go into that. From what I know of their club, they typically use college players right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would probably have to pivot from that model in order to um, have suitable players for the timeline in which the, that season is played. Um, so that would be, you know, that would be an obstacle that they would have to overcome. Past that, it's just kind of like you get the numbers. Um, you don't want to go out there and get thumped three, three or four nil every game. So, you know, you're yeah. going to have to probably... Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to have a. You're gonna have to budget to be competitive. So, um, and yeah, I mean, they would. The the owners of the, of the Founders Cup would want to know that they're they're strong and you know that they've got a good following, um, because as a league for them, they don't want to have um, weaker sides either. You know, I, I think right. there's that mar- that marriage of needing and being needed. So, um, I thought. It's, as long as both those boxes are ticked, I think that, and you know, they were able to budget for it. I think that they'd be a, a very good candidate for it. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that sounds good. I mean, at least that way for future clubs who have aspirations, it's, you know, there's a clear path to actually get to that point if they can. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's easy. It's as easy as simply calling, putting a call into the league and saying, Hey, I'm interested in the founders cup. And you know, the, there are, many people on the staff that are happy to have that initial conversation. And then if it's a serious conversation then you know, they would be connected with, you know, Sean Mann in Detroit or Sean Flynn in Miami and someone, you know, someone who's already got boots on the ground there and they could probably continue to walk them through that process. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that all sounds good. That makes you know a lot of sense and uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's something like me in particular, I uh, don't know a whole lot about NPSL, and I wanted to learn a lot more, and you've definitely helped with that. Um, I do have a specific question just in, about, you know, the season in our particular area, because um, you, you are, you know, you, you're over to South Region, so that does include our Carolina teams. Um, yeah. Are, are there any particular competition changes? Like, I know it looked like the schedule's more or less like normal. It's, uh, you know, I believe it was 
was it 14 games in total? I can't remember the exact number, but like as far as qualification for the playoffs, is it more or less the same as last year? Is there any particular huge shakeups we should know about? Um, no, I think it's pretty much business as usual. The West okay. started a little bit earlier because they don't utilize college players nearly as much. I think the talent pool in California doesn't, you know, doesn't really require it. So oh, they get started okay. a little bit earlier, but I mean, the first weekend in August is typically when our national final is. So that'll be when we wrap it up. And then you can kind of do the math backwards to look at when the national semi, the regional final, the regional semi all are. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think, and I, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't looked at Greenville's schedule um, directly. I, mm-hmm. I typically deal with the Lone Star Conference and the and the Heartland Conference. Uh, oh, okay. Nathan Walters from, from Jacksonville kind of does the Sunshine, and then the the what do they call? It? What are you guys? The Southern? It's the, the I Southeast honestly don't know. Do you know, Ben? Yeah. Uh, I just look at the table. I know the teams that are in it, but I don't think I've paid attention to the name. Yeah, it's South something. Yeah. I know that for a fact. South, <laughs> Southeast, one of those two. Our, our name is uh, mm-hmm. as much about us being amateurs as anything else, so we ha- we didn't have the time to look it up, I guess. <laughs> no, that's, that's all good. I think I, I, the Southeast Conference is what it's called. But, um, that sounds right. Yeah, so they'll just play their, their, um, their regular season and probably should wrap up right around the beginning part of July. Yeah, um, I remember their, their last games are like about the beginning of July. And then there will be some, co- I think they typically choose to do like a conference semi and a conference final. Or last year, I think they did six teams in, if they I did. recall. It was six teams they in the playoffs yeah, last year. That, that, that's right. So, yeah, so they'll be wrapping it up probably early part of July and going from there. But no, n- not really anything is going to change. Um, okay. You know, I would look for probably uh, no spoil alerts, but the teams that are going to be entering into the Founders Cup are going to be are going to be locked and loaded. So um, the Cosmos will be very, very strong. Miami FC will be very, very strong. And Chattanooga and our table. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I would think Chattanooga is going to be you know rearing to go and have a strong showing. And uh, as always, I mean, Chattanooga could put out a group of like. 10 year old young ladies and somehow like they would be in the game and get, and get a late result and break everyone's heart. They just have yeah. that sort of spirit about their club. I, they've, they've beaten me twice in the regional playoffs, once in a regional final. So um, I'm, I am familiar with the pain of being on the wrong end of a Chattanooga result. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely a well-run club there. One thing I'm kind of curious on um, from this perspective is, is there anything set in place as far as a balancing of competition for divisions like that that will have the Chattanoogas that are going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, have the availability of paying players and, and that type of thing, playing against different clubs that aren't going to have those facilities there? Or how does that work from a competition standpoint? Well, I mean, I personally, I would look for the teams in the Founders Cup to probably not play in the present iteration of the NPSL next season, maybe a reserve side or a U23 or a B side or something like that. There's nothing to say that they could, they couldn't compete in this league. I just think that that, that if there is, if there, if there becomes a serious disparity in quality 
as it pertains to competition, I think that the membership would kind of start raising their hand and be like, Hey, mm. let's, let's look at this. Cause at the beginning of the season, we all aspire to win the thing, but you know, if someone has a $1.6 million payroll and someone else is using Juco and NAI guys, <laughs> um, then, you know, I can, I can pretty much skip to the end of the, the end of the, the chapter on that one. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything that's stopping them. You can be a pro club within our league presently. Elm City won it a couple years ago out of uh, Connecticut, I think. Where's Yale? Yale's in Connecticut, right? Uh, probably. Clearly, Honestly, haven't clearly not, clearly not a Yale. Clearly not a Yale grad. Here. <laughs> no, um, yeah, none of us are. <laughs> but yeah, they, they used professional players a few years ago and, and were able to do it and, and were successful. I mean, Cos, the Cosmos B, they won it. Uh, using guys that were under contract and Miami FC had guys under contract last year. So Mm -hmm. there is that, there is that space for that. Um, But again, I think that what we're doing is creating a a place for teams that can allow themselves that sort of budget to have their own level of competition that uh, continues to help grow and develop players in their own particular system. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, that sounds good. Yeah, you don't want a situation where all of a sudden, like every single conference and division has like a, like kind of a PSG situation where you know for a fact <laughs> right. who's going to win, and it's kind of boring after that, and everything is just about oh, who's going to get second? That's the real race. Like you don't quite want that every year. So, uh, but that said, Chattanooga, they're, they're one club that uh, we'd eventually like to get up to and uh, mm. you know hang out with those guys and you know just see what they do up there because. They seem so great. They're the inspiration to, like I said, so many clubs that we admire. So uh, we definitely would like to have a closer look at them eventually. But um, yeah, I'd be happy to introduce you to Tim if you guys are wanting to to make that. Yeah, I can easily make that introduction for you. They they do they do a really great job. It's not it's not just this lightning in a bottle type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot there's a lot of hard work, and they've really developed mm-hmm. um, their culture and their brand and. Um, you know, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how this year plays out in the city of Chattanooga. Because, I mean, mm. I've been to Chattanooga a few times. And when you walk around the street, you see legitimately people with CFC, like, hats and shirts on walking around. It's not mm-hmm. your typical NPFL club where, you know, it's it's just soccer nerds in that community that, that know yeah. about it. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're made, they have a major impact in Chattanooga. So, um, with the new team coming in there... Um, it's it's going to be fascinating. I, I think that the ending will be favorable for Chattanooga FC. My fingers yeah. crossed because mm. that 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 whole deal left a real bad taste in my mouth. Um, oh yeah, on, yeah. On, it, on on several on several levels. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that I think at the end of this year it'll be a, a triumphant story for the MPSL. You know that mm. look stop stop just coming into our markets and thinking you can do this copy paste number um and it's just it's just going to work out fine because these are real clubs with real supporters who really love their their club and their community and that and that culture so um yeah i think that's going to be i think that's going to be the how that story ends Um, Mm and yeah i think it'll set an inspiring example for all of the other npsl members as well yeah i think that is something like the, the way I've looked at it personally, because uh, Ben and I, we're both uh, based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We we are fans of a USL club, the Charlotte Independence. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, we, we follow League Two just as much as we do NPSL. Um, 
But for me personally, I, I feel like the, the Chattanooga USL team, technically they have the right to do it, but we also have the right to not like it and to mm. cheer for them to not work out. Because like, <laughs> right. for, for something as, you know, for America, especially as historic as, you know, Chattanooga Football Club, like they've earned what they've you know achieved there and it it just looks too much like somebody from like you know another state swooping in trying to cash in on what they've built and it just it feels wrong yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I think that's pretty much the consistent feel across yeah. everyone who follows you know lower league soccer i think looks at that and just goes oh that's that's gross <laughs> yeah I, I just think it's up to fans you know to help let them know which club that they actually support and which club they don't support. You know, I mean, I, I think that's going to be the way it, you know, falls one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, it all, it falls always to the good is. Guys. <laughs> it, all, yeah. it always is. So yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, I hope it, I hope it serves as kind of a little bit of a lesson too. Uh, Cause I, I am, I am for an open system. Like, you know, there's talk that maybe USL will, do promotion relegation at some point uh, mm-hmm. down the line. I mean, th- those those words have been thrown around. Like how real that is, I don't actually know. But right. you know, if uh, they were yeah. if they were to do something like that, all leagues aside, I-, I still I still take issue with the fact that it's promotion relegation, but within a closed system. Like if you look at why the sport is so strong in other countries, it's because they went through those ugly years of of having teams in markets battle it out um Mm -hmm. you know and strength was bred from those battles i mean the strong were left standing and yeah that's that doesn't sound ideal for a lot of uh i'm sure owners and investors in those clubs but if you want a a league or a a soccer system that's as riveting as it is around the rest of the world with real battles uh, promotion relegation battles and look at that system like that that comes from the idea that any club can pop up anywhere climb through that system and and reach the top of it i mean i think that's the romantic notion that every 10th division english club owner owner has that are just making payroll probably but (laughs) uh, you know when you step away from it you know they they want that big open cup run and they want that they want to be bournemouth or Burnley, you know, teams that have hanged around in the in the lower third, fourth divisions, but they get their shit together, and um, and there they are in, in the Prem. So, uh, and that's in part because it's an open system, and they hundreds of years ago were the ones that rose to the top. So, mm. um, or a hundred years ago at least. So, right. I hope that I hope that when the dust all settles, that we don't have some weird closed system promotion relegation because to me that's still not really it and i don't mm-hmm. know i don't know what we're gonna do with the mls i i, I really don't <laughs> yeah we, we can probably just let them do their own thing that's probably what they're gonna do anyways <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's a right. whole other topic for another podcast I it, is. <laughs> it is yeah fair enough <clears throat> so uh sunny is there anything else you wanted to say specifically about the mpsl to our listeners or anything you wanted to promote like your own podcast or anything no, I, my own podcast. That's silly. We haven't done one in a little while, but I mean, I guess I would say to your to your listeners that understand from the ownership side that if if 
we have a just a massive immense appreciation for people who support their local clubs um don't don't look at the league that they're in and i'm not saying to support only mpsl clubs like if you have a usl club in your town or you have a uh, uh, an MLS club in your town. Look at it as: uh, Do they connect with your community the way that the way that you like to see a club connect with their community? And if they do, then that's that's the club for you. And you know, don't don't look for free tickets. Pay pay the five or fifty or a hundred dollars or whatever it is for a ticket, and proudly proudly support your your local club. So, yeah, that's that's all I would say. Pro awesome. well for the USA. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Sonny for joining us on the podcast uh, this week. And next week we have Marco Carrizales from Greenville FC to talk to us about what they'll be up to this season uh, with uh, their team, with their new academy, and all that good stuff. So please be uh, sure to tune in. And I uh, just wanted to make sure and thank the BGN network. Uh, we're, we're happy to be a part of that network with uh, a lot of different podcasts uh, of the soccer variety. Um, specifically, I'll mention 901 Soccer Pod, which is unsurprisingly about 901 Memphis 901 FC. Whatever. Apparently it's a little Memphis bit surprising. 901 FC. Um, <laughs> I surprised myself mid sentence, but uh, but it's a really good podcast about Memphis 901, um, and you should listen to it. So the first 12 uh, members to subscribe with the code Amateur Hour, Ben has agreed to wash your car dressed in full goose costume. So act quickly on that. Yeah. Limited time off.